0: LFC Day Trippers brought to you by bookmakers.com Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gav. That's Matt. That's Trev, and we're going to talk about football for the next fifty-five minutes because we are going to be out of here at eleven p.m. I'm sorry, Wally, Um I was talking about crests um, and stickers you would get in a Panini football book. So um, we will get into that in a little bit. Matt, a native, or what, what would you call you? What is it? A resident Canadian? Resident that, Canadian? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a different Thank word there and was definitely not going to sue. And Trevor, <laughs> of course, from the Anfield Index, I'm a guy that just tells great stories in podcast form. Trev, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. Nice to be with you guys. Looking forward yeah. to this.
0: Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Right. This is going to be a transfer show, but there's going to be a mix of other stuff thrown in there. Um, just because there's not a lot of transfer stuff going on. So I thought I'd just fill in the air with, um, random shit, which, um, I love doing. I really, really love doing. Like, subscribe, comment, turn your notifications on. So when we go live, you know all about it and you aren't messaging me three times a day going, is there a show tonight? So, um, that's, that's the only reason to hit the <laughs> bell notification. Um, we're going to talk about. Romeo Lavia, we're going to talk about Kefran Toram. We're going to, we've, we've done centre back stuff, but you know, every player, every midfielder belongs to Liverpool now has been linked with Saudi Arabia for some reason, but that's how, how life is at the moment. Um, and we're just going to have a general chat around the transfer window itself. And it feels really like it's heating up now. And we're going into the, we're into the fourth week of July, so it will go a bit mental. But before we do that, um, Panini football sticker books. And I have a reason why I brought this up, right? Um, it was something that happened last week. But Matt doesn't know anything about this. So he's he's here to be educated as much as, as the next person, right? Trev, you know Panini football sticker books,
1: all right? As as well yeah. as the next man. Um, yeah. Were you a big fan of them? Massive, massive. And Matt, I mean, you're a younger man than myself and Gav. Do you, match attacks, does that sound familiar to you? You know, the little swap cards that was the no. generation after Panini stickers. No? Not no. so familiar? Anyway, yeah, they are. Matt they, was probably was, just smoking a lot at the time.
2: No, it's, it, it, seems, it seems crazy to me that you spend the money collecting these things because I collected hockey cards when I was a little kid. But you certainly yeah, right. don't peel the back off and stick them in a book. Like, how how are they going to be permanent that way? <laughs> you put them in a the nice little plastic protectors and you put them in a binder. You put them all in order.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, what
2: yeah.
0: I had. Yeah, yeah, but that's what we've done. Crazy. We just I took.
2: These were stickers. Yeah. Like you they the back but, you, huh.
0: but you put them in a book. You How
1: put are you you them in a book. Them,
0: then?
1: You don't rearrange you don't. them.
0: They're sticky. They don't go anywhere. Yeah,
1: it's all laid out. Yeah, it's all laid out for you. It was. It. I'll tell you what, Gav. It it got exciting around World Cup time, the right. Panini stuff. That was when I used to think mm, big into this. I think I only ever had two of the club ones, but I loved getting them for the World Cup. That was the that was the crack.
0: It, it was the crack. And, you know, I'm going to come on to, it ties in nicely with something I want to talk to in a little while, about in a little while. So I'll, I'll leave the World Cup books there for a minute. But the generation now, or the, the previous kind of half a generation ago, it was all about shiny stickers. They got shinies. They were shiny mm. crests. They were special crests and stuff like that. And I, I remember as a kid, I don't think we had the shiny crest. We just had like lads in skill with like piles of these with an elastic around and going through them going, yeah, I need him. And you, you'd swap them and stuff like that. But the reason I bring it up is right. Last week we got um, contacted by an Aberdeen podcast because they were signing Reese Williams on a on a season long loan. Kev went on and done a uh, half an hour or so with them. And that's what triggered it for me because whenever I think of a Panini football sticker book, It was always English Division 1, or Premier League, and it was always Scotland as well. Always Scotland, right, was in it. And the Aberdeen crest always blew my mind, right? Honestly, it's the most simplistic thing you would ever see. It's literally a goalpost, the side of a goalpost, with a football in the middle of it, and just Aberdeen written on it. And that's the reason why it came up for me. Um, Crests, that crest in particular... I just thought that is absolutely excellent. Whoever come up with it, it's just so simplistic. But I always remember getting the Aberdeen crest and going, that's amazing. Um, I don't know why. And that's why when I think of Aberdeen, I think of Panini football sticker book. So, um, there you go. I don't remember
1: that one. I don't remember that one. I thought I remember Aberdeen being an A or is that the current one?
0: I don't it's know. No, Indian. this, this was, this was a goal post. This was like, wow. imagine looking at, the, imagine looking at a goal post from side on. So you had the, the post and then the stanchion that comes back to the ground. And it was, yeah. just a, it was just a football in the middle of it, where Aberdeen went on <laughs> it. It was amazing. I'm sure people know the Aberdeen crest. I might look it up now. Um,
2: I googled it. It's that's that's a very cool. Yeah, it's a side on view of the of the goal.
0: Yeah, with just so a like football you're standing
2: on the goal line. Yeah, with yeah. a little football in it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so there you go. That's where it is. Um, any crests before we move on that you just go, yeah, that is brilliant. It can be football. <sighs> it can be. It can be. Hockey for Matt, if well, you want. Well, you definitely,
1: you definitely, you definitely had the shiny ones, man. You definitely because no, I had them, and oh, I, I was. I can't remember dirt. shinies. Yeah, man, you definitely had. Them. I had them, like I said, I had them, and you know I, I go back a lot further than you do. So, yeah. it, 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 do you? And they were they were rare. But there was, you'd get like at least one or two special ones for okay, the World Cup. Maybe ones. they were around. For for that reason, the shiny Brazilian one is the one that stands in my memory. Like that was the one everyone wanted to get, really? the Brazilian crest. Put it in the top left-hand corner and then you had all the team afterwards. I remember filling out that um, 86 team. Um, yes, and he that was go just back to me. Yeah, that was Zico and all that. Oh, fucking amazing, man. That was that. <laughs> that was the crack in you know? it. Yeah.
0: I I still I I love I love the Aberdeen one and I loved 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 the Sam one. Um, Sam Doria one was just outrageously good. Um, Sam Doria
1: kits back in the day. Oh wow. yeah,
0: unbelievable. Matt, any crest you want to throw in there?
2: I right, I I'll give a shout out to my favorite hockey team, the Montreal Canadiens. They have a very beautiful logo, and also from hockey, the New Jersey Devils, to incorporate a devil's tail into the initials of the city. Both both very very well done. Both very okay. well
0: done. Paul Giovanni likes party Thistle. Kieran Smith likes Doncaster Rovers. The Dutch shiny for France 98 was brilliant, according to Chris Brack. Um, Yeah, there was uh, Ronald Murphy. Does anyone remember Top Trump's, the football version? Um, I I probably did. Premier League Pogs, the joy of getting a shiny. Wow. Pogs, I remember them. Yeah, I remember oh, pogs. What's a pogs what's a were pog? like, and I'm really sorry, because <laughs> this is meant to be transferred. No, pogs <laughs> were like little plastic circles, right? They were like, um, imagine something the size of a, a lar- do you know what it is? Do you know if you go into a really, like uh, a, a two euro shop or, you know, a really uh, bargain shop and you buy the, the chocolate coins in the bag yeah. in the net. So imagine the biggest coin in that. So they were about that size, but they were a bit thicker. They were plastic, and they used to have things on the front and back, and you used to throw the pogs at the wall. And if you your pogs, now you're
1: making those, this shit up now. No, I'm not we making even it up. We've we no, did gen- this in Canada. genuinely, like I'm not making <laughs> you're, this up. And people, you're if people throwing watch, plastic coins at the wall. Come yeah, on, yeah, and if you're, coin, if, nice. you're, if you're if
0: you're if you're it was a pug, and if 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 it landed near, it you won the pug off the other guy. Um, no, and seriously, because people think I've gone out of my mind. Because I done a show with Phil Casey last night, yeah. and when we were doing the show, me and me and Phil were discussing uh, bike helmets with built-in <laughs> indicators, right? But they can't be just on the thing; they have to be independently sticking out on the back of your helmet. So. But I haven't just continued this on. Pogs are, they were definitely a thing. Uh, Glen Torren was shiny in So Club badges from the early seventies, says James Mill. This is bleeding great. Uh, Lotto AC Milan kisses James Mill. We will get to transfer stuff, but you see, I know this is a kick off because people love all this sort of stuff. Um, most people watching are probably going, "Fuck off and us," will you? But we're having a lovely time. Um, so, Trev, look up pogs. Um, yeah, Matt, look up, look up the Panini football sticker books, and we will get back to some World Cup stuff in a little bit. But transfers. Um, so Liverpool have made two transfers so far, um, coming in. So Alexis McAllister from Brighton at £35 million plus whatever. I don't know. And, um, Dominic Sabosloy for £60 million. Um, two midfielders, something we definitely needed. Trev, I think it's a fair assumption that most Liverpool fans feel that a tour midfielder is needed, maybe a centre half. But this is the week where everything starts to swirl around for me. Um, Not only where You know You're seeing big deals Being done In the likes of Declan Royce Is very close to Arsenal Havertz was done Last week There's big names Big money it Mount And then you have The stories Filling the filling the column Inches Between These transfers Happening Where it just goes Absolutely mental Where are you on Liverpool At the moment Um, Are you reading Any of his stories Because uh, I think if you are Reading them You're mental
1: Uh. I'm, I'm, I'm reading them dispassionately because that's the only way to do it. I actually do a transfer pod for, for, for Anfield Index on a regular basis. And if you told me that, I'd be doing that a couple of years ago and laughed at you because I, I was, I was always famously detached from transfer season, but I'm just in it now and I'm loving it for the crack. Um, I was having a chat last night. I missed the tour stuff that happened. And I just said, "Here, what happened with and, uh Andy was on Twitter, being bold, very bold indeed, yeah. uh, with me. So I, I, I still, I was still none the wiser after that. <coughs> but <clears throat> Gav, we got two, from what I can see, world class footballers for the price of Declan Rice, less than the price of Declan Rice. Yeah. I would say, I would say we are in a very good nick. Now, the third one, I'm sorry, it's essential. And if that sort of bothers certain um, tippity-top reds, I couldn't give a shit. The third one's essential. And if we lose Tiago or Fabinho, say, to Saudi, then we need a fourth. It's that simple, I think. And I I don't think you can argue with the numbers. We needed them last summer. We didn't fucking do it. We needed defenders a previous campaign. We didn't do it. So it needs to get done.
0: Yeah. It's um, Aiden. I'm sensing some animosity of Aiden. He says, Gav, um, just shut up and let us know your inside knowledge on the transfer news that John Henry factors you every morning. I'll, I'll, I'll DM you, Aidan. Um, how many Aidan, um, But I, I, was re- I was reading some stuff today, Matt, right? And, you know, this thing came out from from a journalist where it said, Liverpool won't look into the market for a tournament fielder unless one lives, right? And the minute I read that, I was horrified. I was like, hold on. And, you know, and... People accuse me of defending the club every which way but loose. Not true. But I read that and I went, no, we're drifting back into fucking, you know, i look at all the numbers we have. Isn't it fucking great? And it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, I understood last season when we were sitting with nine midfielders and we are like, we can't sign a tenth. We just can't. You know what I mean? As much as we want to, 10, 11 midfielders is a scandalous amount of players to have in your squad in midfield, right? But when I read this today, Matt, I was like, no, no, people are people are missing the fucking point here. And I've seen somebody on Twitter saying, actually, look, what's the big deal? We're at the getting two in, and we more or less ran with six last year anyway. That's the whole point, isn't it, man? We ran with six <laughs> last year, right? And them six could not do it, all right? And even if you bring in the two we brought in, which if it brings you to eight, if you lose a Thiago or whatever, eight is not enough, because those six that were there, uh, age, fatigue, legs, form... All over the fucking place. And we can't expect two lads to come in here, Matt, and just go, oh, we have them two now. It will improve, I think, the six around them, but not enough where you don't bring a third in, Matt. Like, it shouldn't be dependent on on getting someone out because if you bring in one more, you're left with the exact same amount of midfielders as you had last season. But you have three there that are dependable, will turn up, will play. Those three last season didn't. Milner done his best. Oxlade-Chamberlain, our favour and Cade a little bit the same before the end. It has to be a total map, regardless of who goes out. And I agree with Trev. If a fourth one goes out, or if one goes out, you need, probably need four.
2: Yeah, I, t- I probably won't go that far. So you say you catch it a little bit. I mean, I would have to be accused of it even more than you, of being a tippity-top red. Because I was the guy last summer that said, look at the numbers. Like, we have enough midfielders. And I was proven unbelievably wrong. So I'm not going to get fucked. No, we had enough
0: numbers-wise.
2: Right, and that doesn't matter. Like but the I makeup of, them, the make-up the of them just wasn't number. right. Exactly. I focused too much on the sheer number of bodies that were there and not what we were going to be able to rely on extracting from those people. And fool me once, I, it'll never happen again because Chamberlain and Keita are gone. They're just gone. We don't have to worry about them letting us down again. But I think especially with Nabi Keita, the big thing that hurt us last year was that we had – The extremes. We had the 30 year old midfielders and we had the 19 year old midfielders, and we didn't have those guys in the middle. And what we've already done with our business so far this window is we've added two immediate starting first 11 midfielders that are in that age range that you want them to be in that 22 to 26 year age range. Guys that have good injury records, guys that played 70 to 80% of the available minutes for their teams in the last few seasons. These are guys we're going to be able to rely upon. So I find myself drifting back into the doing the maps and looking at the number of minutes that are there. Because I said last year before the season that Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones would more than make up the minutes of Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain if we were able to get rid of them. We weren't able to get rid of them. And Jones and Elliott more than covered the minutes.
0: Of- but Jones only covers the minutes towards the back end of the season.
2: He does. And Elliott only covers the minutes towards the start of the season. So basically, you can almost put them together and that's one fairly consistent starter. Yeah. You know, between those two players. You're looking at somebody that's starting 24 to 28 games, you know, is there for 70, 75% of the total league minutes. If you have more than five or six of those guys, there's just not enough minutes to go around. And so the I would like to see us bring another player in, and I would be okay with it being more of a, and I know you don't like the term, but more of a project player. I'm I'm totally on board with the idea of somebody like Romeo Lavia that won't be Needing to be playing every game or the majority of the games. You bring in somebody like Alexis McAllister, and it's very hard to sell to that player that they're not going to be competing for that starting position. You know, he's at the prime of his career. He needs to be playing every week. A guy like Romeo Lavia, he's only 18 years old. He still has some time to develop and win that job. You know, you can give him the, the carrot, like the, the opportunity to go and win that job. You know, put Fabinho out of the job. Put Jordan Henderson out the pasture. Prove that they're done and we don't need them anymore and we can move on from them. But I'm concerned about restricting the developments of the players we already have on the books because everybody likes shiny, fancy new signings. And somebody in the Telegram chat was saying that if Curtis Jones was playing for the French team or playing for, you know, the Ukrainian team at the U21, putting in performances like he's putting in for England, we would be over the moon if we were linked with a player like that for, you know, 30, 35, 40 million euros. Yes. We already own Curtis Jones. You know, we, I, I don't want to be throwing out what we currently have, players that I like that think could have a future with the team. I'm a big fan of Harvey Elliott. I don't want to see more players coming in that limits the ability of Harvey Elliott to blossom into the player that I think he could be because we already own him.
0: But that's not the way – I don't think that's the way to look at it because if you don't bring in – and this is only my opinion – if you don't bring in a third one, Okay, what happens is the third person isn't going to stump his progression. The third one is there to help his progression. And what I mean by that is is that instead of pinning everything, and this is what happens in Liverpool's midfields, because if you take Thiago, you take Henderson, and you take Fabinho, we know what's going to happen. We have a good idea what's going to happen. They're going to lose form, right? All players lose form, but these fall off a cliff last season. Henderson falls off a cliff. Fabinho falls off a cliff. Thiago's injured too much, right? If you bring these players in, you are not asking Cortis Jones and Harvey Elliott to be the next men up, the next men up over a 15 to 20 game period, because Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, or whoever else is not there. This is the reason you bring them in, and you say, "I have nine players here for three positions, really." But it's all about it's all about the level they're at in the squad, and I don't feel we've enough at a top level. Allow these See, balls, Gav, that, was,
1: that, that was a problem last year that people got caught up in the numbers. Uh, Klopp was the one who was leading the charge with his various interviews where he was smiling and sort of sneering at fans who were saying that we needed more midfielders because, you know, it was like, again, it was like, look at the amount that we have. Uh, the problem with the amount that we had was availability. Anyone yep. could tell you that yep. they weren't going to be available. And that's the biggest single thing when it comes to choosing personnel. Uh, we don't want any more sick notes. We especially, want someone, when midfield, honestly, Trev,
0: especially when our midfield is so key in what we do. Uh,
1: exactly. And that's why, you know, it was so porous so often last year. And, You know, we were looking at a child, Bacetic, coming in there playing way too many minutes and being relied on way too much. I think it's fantastic that that kid was able to perform to the level he was able to perform to. I have high hopes for him. Uh, I have high hopes for Curtis Jones being able to uh, get a spell in and out of the team in one of the eight positions. Fantastic. But if we do not get a solid defensive midfielder, whether it is a Lavia-type um or, or someone else. A lot of the ones we've been linked with, the guard, others have gone elsewhere. Uh, Caicedo is the one we all want, unless you're mental, you want Caicedo on your team, but that's not doable for us. And I think it's pretty much solid with Chelsea now. That's the profile of player we need. Someone who's young, fairly indestructible. And can do that job and put pressure on Fabinho because who knows maybe Fabio will react to that and have a fantastic season pick himself right back up from where he was four wise certainly this first half of last season and that that's the kind of tough of the top headache you want Jurgen to have man
0: yeah I, I, like I, I'm just you see I don't want to one, of the, I don't want to fall in. I said it the other day. I don't want the, us to fall into the trap of forgetting every midfielder we have. Because that's ridiculous. You can't just because you've signed these two forget everyone else. to go. Or oh, them two are definitely starting every weekend. And they may do. But you need to remember who's behind them and what they can do. And if you actually look at the midfielders we have, right? We have, I think we've signed two magnificent midfielders. I think we've two, three with brilliant potential in Elliot Jones and Bacetic. And They all have to find their own way to reach that potential. They're at different stages. Some of them are trying to fit into positions. Some of them are just trying to progress in positions. And then you have Thiago Henderson and Fabinho. Um, And listen, two of them are amazing servants to Liverpool. One of them is one of the most beautiful-looking football players you'll ever come across in the way he plays football. But at the end of the day, right, if you lose Tiago, Henderson, and Fabinho, you are left with Batchetic, Elliot, Jones, McAllister, and Saversley. And that's not enough. And the the and we all go on about looking back on history, history tells you these lads aren't getting any younger. The the injuries, although Tiago averages about twenty games a season for Liverpool. But that's brilliant. If you bring in another one and you say, we've treated there, mate. It's absolutely fine. We've three there that are animals. And then the rest fit in around it. Henderson plays less games. Fabinho doesn't have to play them all because you've, you've, uh, Bacetage and maybe a Lavia there. You know, um, Tiago uh, doesn't have to play them all. But again, McAllister doesn't have to play them all because he get a rest if we need it. I, I go, keep going on about it. City do this all the time. They'll find a three game bank. Somewhere before Christmas and somewhere around February, March, where they will switch it up, freshen everybody, and they're ready to go. And it just goes seamlessly because the quality is there. And I think, sometimes I think this summer we may get into this trap of them three that are gone. One of them was very old, but still a brilliant service servant. Two of them just weren't fit for purpose. We've got to win now. Everything's fine. It's not. You, it's not only the lads that weren't available last season in Ox and Cata, it's the lads that were left to have to do the job. And when it came down to doing the you job, need, they weren't there. They they, they just don't have and it. You need and
1: no,
0: cover. Yeah, that's where I am with it. I just I just don't I don't want to fall into this thing of we got two great ones that that more or less makes up for the three that we No, got no, 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 no. That's where that's where my worry is. Do, do you know where I'm coming from with this Matt? Like I know you're all about the numbers and, and the amount of players and so am I. But we've we put ourselves in a position where we had ten and couldn't do anything about it, right? Or yeah, nine? ten. That's sorry, a false, we're, we're that's mellow. A
2: false ten, It's such a false ten.
0: I but mean, but, but first, ma, like, but just ma. call it nine. 13 right. So let's is let's call difficult. it. Yeah. Well, mellow is the ten, right? So let's call it nine. Yeah. So now you're in a six. You're you're saying six, right? If we knew we had nine great midfielders, we'd be fine. With those two in now, that's a false A. That's a false A, because the, out of the A, I don't think there's enough there to A. Play out an entire season and be ready, right? Or be just at the stage of their career where they can command the Liverpool midfield the way we want to. That's That's where I am. Right? I don't know. Like maybe we're are we asking for too much? I don't think we are. I think three out, three in. What's the problem?
2: Yeah, it's. I just. I. I not I'm not seeing where the minutes are fitting in. Like I think, and I know we're going to come to it later in the show. I think we're going to get an out in the team. And that changes everything. Like, I think we're going to bring another midfielder in this summer, but I think we're going to be losing one. Okay. So that kind of skews things, that kind of skews things a little bit. Cause the big question mark is over Fabinho. Like it's, I think you're feeling on whether we desperately need to be signing a, a new defensive midfielder, whether it's Romeo Lavia or fill in the blank with somebody else is how you feel Fabinho will go. If you think he's done washed over the hill, then we've got a glaring need at six because it's either Bacetic who that might not even be his best position, you know, repurposing uh, Alexis McAllister into there using Jordan Henderson or relying on a player in Fabinho who you think is gone. I don't I don't think Fabinho has gone. I think in the, the end of the season when the rest of the team started to play better around him, he started to look like he still had some of the attributes that made us love Fabinho in seasons past. And I think having, if, if we have a midfield three that lines up and you've got Alexis McAllister on the left, on the left and Savaslai on the right, I think Fabinho is going to look much more like the Fabinho that we adored at that six. But I can totally understand if somebody looked at the bulk of last season and the performances that Fabinho put in and are just, they, they can't see it. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, some of these translated tweets might be of interest then.
0: <laughs> Trev, yeah, I know you were saying if one leaves you probably need, you need one more in, if one leaves you probably need four. But let's go down the I agree with you, but let's go down the more realistic route when it comes to Liverpool of you know, one comes in and one goes out. And what they do is they kinda of go a halfway house between what me and Matt matter arguing here that they they say, right, Oh, let's say a Henderson goes and you bring in a Lavia, or a Fabinho goes, or a or One of those three go, and you bring in a Lavia. Are you comfortable with that? Because I think, you know, I don't want to see a Jones or an El- or an Elliot go. I think that makes no sense, either on a permanent or a or loan. Nothing's being said about that, Trev, um, and it's not being suggested in any way. But are you all right if, you, if, if we turn around and say, listen, we're not doing nine, we're doing eight, but we're removing somebody that is probably falling down the and order, is ageing, is it hasn't been on form, whatever injury, blah blah blah. And we're bringing someone
1: in that, like you said, is a bit indestructible. If we don't bring in uh, a specialist defensive midfielder, <clears throat> what we're looking at is another compromise season where you're going to have Henderson doing the job for a while, Fabinho doing the job for a while, and we're going to have to be keeping our fingers crossed that they are both fit and and. Uh, and, and improve well, yeah, yeah. But again, it's a big ask for a yeah. comparative child. So you're fluting around between those three, and you're hoping they're both fit and in form. And availability and performance were pretty low for most of our midfielders last season. And the availability is the big one. So that's why I just think it's an absolute must. Now, an awful lot of people are saying we absolutely must get a centre half as well, a left sided centre half. Um, and if we got in a really good defensive midfielder, I'd be willing to sort of push on and take a chance that we'd be having, we'd have enough. If that, if it came down to that, if you're offering me, Gav, the chance to get a really good, um, defensive midfielder in to really put Fab under pressure and maybe bring him on to bigger heights, maybe have him as a guy who's understudying Fab for a while, uh, because Fab's form goes right back up to the top. That's great. That would be my preference uh, if it was either or. But I, I kind of think we need both. And I really do think it's a matter of getting lads who are going to be available. It's it's really that simple.
0: Yeah. yeah. it's um Look, uh, Romeo Lavia is, is the one linked at the moment. Southampton won 50 million quid. Um, and I think they've asked for a, a huge amount of money for Liveramento as well. Um, and I think Newcastle might have backed off that deal because Southampton are just gone. Southampton are obviously in a financial position where they can go, listen, we've gone down. You know we're absolutely fine. We have good assets here, and we want a price and they're well within the rights. Because when you see the amount of money being splashed around, right, they're going into the, they're going into the championship, but that doesn't make a difference to the quality of the player. If you want them and you want them in the Premier League and you want them to win titles <laughs> and and you want you know like it, it's relevant. It, it's only relevant to what you want to do. You know what I mean? If you want if you want a player because you want to stay up, he's not going to be worth that much. But if you want a player because you want to win a, a title. Or, or cup competitions, well then that's his market value. And the likes of Declan Rice are hundred and five million and Enzo Fernandez before him are hundred and I think it was six million pounds. Um you know that's what the market is. So Southampton are well in their rights. Um but look, we're gonna have to wait and see. Kevin Toram, people are saying it's gone quiet on him. I'm I don't really believe that um, because I think there was, I think there might have been a lot of groundwork there. People are saying because we signed Saboloy, oh no, we've done Saboloy, so we're not going to do this lad. I wouldn't be too sure, and um, because Liverpool have been very, very, very tight-lipped on what they've, what they've, um, what they've done so far this season, um, or this pre-season, Sorry, um, Ma, I want to go back to sticker books, right? <laughs> um, before we move on, because I just can't right? believe
2: you didn't ever want to re- like rearrange this the players, but they're not like, stickers you if you
0: rearrange time- them.
2: Yeah, but that was kind of the joy of hockey cards was that you could put them in alphabetical order or the order the cards were in, oh my God. or by team, okay, or so, by so, so, like, so maybe I had a Just OCD go
0: wild and here. change the order of them.
2: No, but like at the end of the tournament, you collected all these stickers. You didn't want to put them in of like your top eleven of the players okay. for World Cup '90 and be able to remove your little sticker guys and go like, oh, it wouldn't have been amazing to have this guy here from West Germany and playing with this guy here, but you can't because they're all stuck to a page. I don't know. As a little kid, like, but I spent money anywhere on collectibles like that.
0: You can't go anywhere in you then. But anyway, the reason I've done this is I've, I've brought up a sticker books again because, and I want to tie it in with the 1990 World Cup is, is because I, I think I read something the other day where it might be the 23rd anniversary of Ireland against Romania in the World Cup in Genoa. Um, it might be I've just gone or it's on the way here. I just seen something the other day. It was a tweet. I kind of read over it. But, Trev, the 1990 World Cup is famous for two things. One, the best World Cup of all time, okay, if you're an Irish person. And two, the sticker book that came with the 1990 World Cup is still to this day the best sticker book you will ever, ever, ever come across. It was a binder, which when you completed it, it had to be about 10 inches thick. I had classic goals in it, everything about it, Trev. Like, it just makes it the best World Cup for me. The sticker book alone makes it the best World Cup for me.
1: Yeah, it was because we were there and we were good. Phil Case and ran. at the World Cup in ninety. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was ninety four. He was no, there. he was
0: in. He was England against
1: Ireland in. I want to
0: say Cagliari or Palermo. Um, he ah, was there. Okay, right,
1: yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, it was. It was a, such a good tournament. I now I'm gonna let you in on it on, on something here. I, <clears throat> I was very poor, Gav. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, unlike, unlike yourself and Matt there, who are clearly um, uh, high-flyers, mm-hmm. comfortable. I see your bike in the background there, Gav. Yeah. That's a fucking cool good bike got new, I only
0: got, got, new, I only got new, uh, <laughs> new spokes on it there during the week.
2: That's a gift from Phil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, um, that Phil bought me that bike. We're going cycling up the mountains now during the week. <laughs> you lads are in a different economic bracket to me. but uh, I couldn't have dreamt of filling that thing. But my mate did the fucker because he was well off, yeah. uh, and it was you're right a monster. And I actually just enjoyed taking a flick through the completed thing at the end. It was class, man. Yeah. And it, it it's and I, as as far as souvenirs go, it doesn't actually get any better.
0: It was it, a joke how good it was. Yeah, it was the
1: perfect souvenir.
0: So what he done in it was at the back of it was the sticker book. There was, was it 24 teams in that woke up? I think it might have been 24 teams in that World Cup. Um, 24, 24 seems about right, because it was six groups of four, and then the third yeah, place, you could get through. Cool. And all yeah, and all. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, 24 yeah. teams, so that was at the back, group A, group B, right through to whatever, E and F, whatever it is, uh, the sixth one. Um, But at the front of the book, the front of the book, which less made up 2 tours of it, actually, was... The history of the World Cup from 1930 right through to nineteen eighty six, and each World Cup had its own section. And when you flicked on it, it would tell you all the results, the classic goals. But they actually done diagrams of the the the, the goals. You know, like this fella ran here, and there was arrows going everywhere. And and then they had oh, like class. classic photos of Maradona in eighty six against Belgium. Or Mario Kempes like as well.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's a joke of a book, hey, hey, and I've had it. Gal, I can I check I your uh, can I check your can I check your nerd knowledge here? Right. And Matt as well. <laughs> right. So first World Cup. Yes, sorry, Darren Dunbar I says was Gullah on the cover of it. The cover of it
0: was Rude Hullet against Chris Uton at Euro ninety eight or Euro eighty eight, and Chris Uton is standing yeah. your, Chris Ewton is standing on Rude Hullet's foot as they're trying to make as they're battling down the wing. Yes, you're correct, Darren Dunbar. Go on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, World Cup.
0: 1930? First
1: one? Who was yeah. it? Um yeah. Uruguay. Uruguay. Oh, that's good, lads. Wait, what other year did they win it in? Good 1950,
0: I think, was it?
1: Oh, f- absolute. F- football nerds I'm surrounded by. It's fantastic. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Gab great. loves
2: a quiz. Gab loves yeah,
0: a I quiz. I love a quiz. <laughs> except when except when other people are hosting them and they stitch me up. But um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to give the nineteen ninety World Cup a mention and sticker books and stuff like that. So i oh, just look,
2: wait, Gav. Yeah. Ireland's gonna qualify, you're gonna get drawn into it. It'll never be the same. It'll never be the same.
0: We, we, we qualified in ninety-four. <laughs> we qualified in ninety four, and because it was in America, we took over the place. Like we yeah. our first game was joined stadium against Italy. I think there was ninety thousand people in the in the stadium, eighty thousand were Irish. It was insane. Um we qualified in two thousand and two, that's the whole Roy Keane thing. Um And we and we should have beaten Spain. We should have fucking beaten Spain. And I think it was the second round game. We would have got a quarter final against yeah. South Korea, I think. And we could have went so far in that. Damien Duff was literally the best player in the world for about three weeks. It was insane how good he was. He rocked up. He wore the number nine. And he was like, what's going on here? I'm playing up front, lads. And he was just everywhere. Like, he started up front and just played everywhere. And no one could get near him. And you're laughing, man. Go and watch the compilation of Damien Duff versus Spain at the 2002 World Cup. And I mean, Puyol and all the boys are chasing him around like fucking idiots because he don't know what he's And if we'd had
1: Keane as well, oh my God.
0: Yeah, if we'd have had Roy Keane, yeah. We missed penalties. We should have beaten Spain that night. But anyway, um, that's probably for another night. Um, But before we finish up, the transfer window itself, right? We've spoken about it. Sorry, I want to ask you about the centre-half stuff. Um, and we've done a thing on centre halves, but just quickly, um, Matt and then Trev. Matt there's an awful lot of talk around Levi Caldwell at Chelsea. Um, now, Trev is saying that, so he said it was fairly solid to Chelsea. I believe that, and I think it's actually going to he's going to be end up being a make weight in the deal going the other way to Brighton. Um, but is that the sort of centre half signing you want to see? Like that to me is a little bit project, even at possibly fifty million
2: yeah i I don't know like I can't claim to have a definitive view on you know what Levi Colwell is going to turn into but if people at the club think that he has that ceiling like if his ceiling is to hit you know the border of world class then he's worth whatever value you can get him for because the opportunity to sign a player like that comes along maybe once or twice in their career you know it you have to pay the 75 million for Van Dyke because if you don't get him that January, by the time the summer comes around, the price might be $90 million, or he might have had his head turned and go somewhere else. So if it's a player like Colwell, then you just kind of have to work around it. But I'm not sure, because I don't think, and again, I told you this the last show we did, my optimism is returned because we're on the brink of the players reporting for spring training camp. So I'm back into full belief in the team, but I'm not ready to give up on the idea that Virgil Van Dyke can play a large majority of the minutes this season. Everybody knows he played way too much last year. We over-relied on him. So we do need to have the ability of cycling him out. I think the Europa League helps out a lot with that. I wouldn't care if Virgil plays only league games until the turn of the year. Like, I doesn't need to play in the League Cup or in the Europa League at all. Just Premier League games he can focus on, which is effectively one game a week, which he should be able to play every one of those league games. If we're concerned that Virgil van Dijk is not going to return to the level that he's at, then I think we need to move forward the search for a replacement for Virgil to this summer. But if the market's not there, and it doesn't seem like it, with the exception of Josco Vardiol, which he might be man city bound, he might just be out of our price range, and Levi Colwell, who might not be made available for sale. I, I think we could afford Colwell. I think if Chelsea was willing to sell him to us, I think the price that they would agree to, I think we would be happy to pay if he's that type of player, you need to be mm-hmm. talking maybe 60, 65 million. Cause it can't be much more than that. Like it can't, it certainly can't be more than what they paid. Let's say for Wesley Fofana, you know, a couple seasons ago, I think that was 80 million or 82 million. something ridiculous. Yeah, 80 you're, million. you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to break the transfer record for most expensive defender on Levi Colwell coming off of one decent season with Brighton. If we don't think the need, if the club doesn't think the need is there to have van dyke's replacement in house for this season i'm okay with us i think we need i think we need to bring a center half in i just think like more than another midfielder i think the next signing through the door in terms of importance has to be a defender whether that's a right-sided defender a left-sided defender i just want another body in there because the worries that we all legitimately had about the midfield and not being available i think we can just transpose all of those worries onto our defenders now Okay. And if we lose one of them, we're in serious trouble. We might not even have Nat Phillips by the time next season kicks off again. And that's that's worrying. You know, like our fifth and sixth choice defenders might not be there. And then you got to worry about your first, second, third, and fourth picking up injuries, and then you're in a whole mess of trouble. But I'm okay with getting a player that isn't even a project player, isn't even a finished article, somebody like – I really like Nathan Collins. I think it's a good move for him to go to Brentford. But I would have been okay with that. Somebody that's not going to demand – a starting position that might be able to blossom into that type of player or in a year or two when the market's changed and who knows what defenders come up in the next 18 months. You know, the next Virgil van Dyke might come up in the next 18 months. The next William Saliba might be there. The next Levi Colwell might be there in 18 months. And we don't know about those players yet because they just haven't had the time to come to the surface of having somebody like, I think Max Kilman would work. Plays left side of center half. I did until Saudi Arabia helped them out, thought that you might be able to get them out of Wolves for a fairly decent price. That might not be the case anymore. But somebody like that that's capable, experienced in the league, and then in two years you sell them, even if you just break even on them. You know, not every player has to be have a long-term future. As much as I personally would like that, I want every player that puts a shirt on to succeed for Liverpool. I want them all to be world-class world beaters. But at the end of the day, sometimes we just have to be able to move players on. And if you do that in the right way with a player like Max Killman, Mark Gahey, Nathan Collins is off the board now, that are homegrown, it allows you in January or next summer to look at moving on Joe Gomez. Because I feel right now we're definitely hand- like handcuffed, that we're keeping Joe Gomez. He's not going anywhere, hmm. just to fill quotas and stuff like that, and you know being a leader on the <coughs> team. So,
0: Well... um Jerry Tenfields in Cape would be perfect. Left centre back of today or left back of the future. Only 22. Super Dizzle 84. I can uh, ask about Tamari. Uh, Guy from Palace says Chris Brack. I think he's in the 50 million range as well. But Trev, this, there's a lot of anger you could come at this, isn't there? Because, you know, I, I don't think our midfield job is finished this year. We're going to have to look at it again next year with the players we have, the ages that are at, and the the stages that are in their career, and the amount of miles on the clock, etc etc I think if we sort our midfield out, I think it actually does help our defenders because I think they were just overran last season by being, like you said, it's such a porous midfield. But at the same time, we can't just sit around and go, ah, listen, the midfield is sort of the defence. Mm-hmm. And then if that falls off a fucking cliff, we're in the same situation defensively as we were in midfield, or we are in midfield. Where do you want it? because I, I honestly, I'm of the opinion if you're signing the centre-half The Cowell one makes loads of sense. I'm not saying go out and buy him, um, because I haven't seen enough of him. But that sort of profile makes loads of sense, because he comes in, he's of a certain age, he's a little bit of experience, he can definitely play in the games you don't want Virgil to play in. But he might be the heir to the throne, you know, in 18 months, two years, where he starts to play more and more, and he's he's dependable, he can play left-hand side. There's there's just so many angles here, Trev, you can look at the centre-half situation
1: yeah i think a lot of people are getting hung up on which foot uh, naturally which footed uh, uh the player is <clears throat> i know not i saw a big chat about mark gray there about you know he's right footed but he can play either side um inasio is someone that we haven't mentioned yet who's who's been mentioned uh, a, a lot with us um and Levi Colwell it who has a great Premier League record and seems to have a huge ceiling um, is someone that, you know, you would think is very much an us-buy. But of course, there's going to be a huge premium for that kid. And whether or not we be capable or willing to pay it is another thing. I, I Part of me is wondering, is that going to be the thing that actually is the influences what our last bit of business in the midfield is? I mean, I wonder how... Committed, we are to this new system of play uh, where we have Trent doing Trent things in midfield. And if that is the case, you could see us looking at a left side center half as an absolute priority, uh, someone to put Robbo under pressure, who, you know, didn't exactly have his greatest season ever. Not many did last campaign. So, there's an awful lot of, as far as I can see, there's an awful lot of chit chat about needing a left sided centre half, come full back, come wing back, sort of utility player. Uh, and that, to me, makes a lot of sense. And if we were to get one of those of a comparatively high level and a DM of some sort of standing, I think that's an eight or a nine out of 10 window for me. I'd be so happy with that. I think we're getting back to where we need to be. And as you say, Gav, it's not finished because I, I think there's a real chance that none of the three lads go that, that, that that Tiago stays around and he, and he goes on the free next year that Henderson might never leave because why would he? And, 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 and uh, that, that that Fabinho um, will stay around this season for sure, at least, and maybe decide to take the, the Saudi shilling next year. Um, so there's a real opportunity, a real chance, I think, real f- opportunity they all stay. That's where my worry comes in that I mentioned earlier on, that we think we've done it now. We've got lads to sort of uh, be starters, stroke, you know, um, it, stepping out in cups and stuff, first-teamers, two great lads. And then we can just rotate the six between Fab and Hendo and Bacetic I will be grand. And that's the worry I have because I don't think we'll be grand that. Uh, and I think it's fallen into the same old trap that we've fallen into a couple of different windows where we take for granted that lads will be available and in form and they aren't.
0: Yeah. I just think as a club, we've had to bite the bullet this summer. We've had to do, you know, what's right, really, um, in, in getting a few midfielders in. But bigger picture, I look around and I say to myself, well, next summer you're, you're definitely looking at these three of these midfielders again and you're assessing <laughs> them. You know, we we we've let three go this summer for different reasons. And we've three, in my opinion, when you go to next summer, one's out of contract in Thiago, and two the other lads just have loads of miles in their legs at Liverpool. And that's another midfield job for next summer. and I thought and I I'm all for doing doing stuff in midfield. But I I don't want us to fall into the same trap defensively that we fell into with midfield, where we went. Are we four centre-halves? It's all good. We're just counting people. And for me, Matthews in the last year of his contract. You know, nothing's being said on that. Gomez just hasn't looked the same um, since his last big injury. Just has not looked the same. Um, Virgil, in fairness, Virgil comes back and has a brilliant season after his his injury. Um, Last season... I think it just took its toll on him. Um, and I think the fact mixed that in with the fact, like you said, our midfield was just being ran through. I don't think it helped anyone. You mentioned Robertson. I don't think it helped him either and definitely not Trent. So I just, I'd like to see us do something where we don't get to next summer. And I know that's a long way away, but I don't want to get to next summer going, Oh, that's just two more midfielders going. We need to get another two in and we have to do these centre backs as well. And it just feels like. I, I feel like if you do, we've done two in midfield. I think if you do four now and three next summer, it feels an awful lot healthier than three now and four next summer, if you get me. I want the bigger number to be now. I want yep. the bigger number to be now. I, because I'll tell you why, and Matt, you're making faces at me. <coughs> I just what I mean? don't see how four and three and three
2: and four are not the same thing. Because
0: I'll tell you why. Because the 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 squad needs that shock into it now. It needs that shock into it right now. And you can, you can just mold it next year with three. Three feels like a lovely number. Three this summer doesn't feel enough. And it feels like if it goes bad, will four shock it enough next summer? The bigger work needs to be done now for me. Um, and kind of has to be done. You know what I mean? If you're turning over seven players between defence and midfield, I'd rather do the higher number now while you're in this period where. It's except it's openly everyone agrees to the fact that it needs to be done now because I, I think we end up, I, I, if we don't I, if we I, don't I, train now we would feel like we go through a season and we just haven't done enough we just haven't done enough we cry again about it next summer and then when you're bringing four in next summer it's like fuck we've not allowed to do do you know what I mean it just seems to drag on get the bigger one done now and if you have to do three next summer and three the summer off, that's fine that turnover is fine but I just feel the bigger number has to be done now. On, Ma, sorry. I,
2: I I agree. Do you think though that you should like as a club they should rip the Band-Aid off and look to get two out the door and go with bringing five in this summer?
0: No, because, because
2: I am not against the idea of us taking an offer anywhere in the range of eighteen twenty five million if we can get for Thiago. I would sell. Him. I would y- sell.
0: Him. Yes, but the thing is, if you sell him, right? You need you can't like if you you were to sell him and bring in a centre back,
1: mm-hmm.
0: makes no sense. If you no. were to sell him and bring in a Lavie or a Kefran Torum, I'm I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that. But I begrudgingly okay with that because I think I think Thiago. If you're giving me 30 games, 25 games from Thiago next season, knowing who you've brought in on top. And is there, I think I'm absolutely more comfortable with that than fuck. I've only 25 games of Thiago here and Henderson and Fabinho running in fucking treacle come mid November, December. That's where the issue is. It's all about who you have there. And at the moment, I don't think, I don't think you lose Thiago and go, that's absolutely fine. What's there? That's just where I am. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's definitely picking up. Um, we're in the fourth week of July. It's, definitely 100% going to go a bit berserk I think now that the the 21s is finished with um and yeah I think it's going to go a bit mad um before we go um ma has anything else you'd like to bring up before you go uh,
2: no I don't think so I think it's I think mean, everybody just needs to calm down we're kind of talking about this before we went on of like you know the window's actually only been open for 3 days and People are already losing their minds that we're not doing enough. So, you know, it's, uh, I think, I think we might see Liverpool sit back now that the Turam stuff seems like it's kind of cooled off. According to David Lynch, it's 100% not happening. So you can just get that idea out of your head. So now I really want to see Turam come in just so that he has to eat a gigantic serving of humble pie. But I wouldn't mind seeing Liverpool just sit back, keep their cards close to their chest and let some of the other teams just go mental for a week or so. Cause, it Feels like money is being thrown around like it has absolutely no value, and with the exception of a couple teams in this league, it still does have value for some teams. So,
0: okay, Trev, is there anything going on in this whole wild world that you'd like to bring up to the table before we leave?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, so I, I, I'm just gonna repeat what I said to you guys before our, our mics went live here. Uh, I just find I I think people who give out by Twitter are mental because it's the best crack ever. It like all human life is there, and most of it is is either mental or in need of oh, intervention. Gosh. And we found ourselves looking at lads reposting and retweeting a fella today who said, <clears throat> "We are a Mac forward slash dumb injury, Mac and dumb away from being." Right back to square one again, for fuck's sake. Now, I see stuff like that, Gav, and I I don't get pissed off. That just makes me very happy because it's funny. Because lads like that are funny. Because it's clearly, objectively, a wonderful thing that we've got two proper world-class talents in over the line. I can't wait to see these guys play for Liverpool. So
0: if we we sign Lavia, okay, are we then a Dom slash Mac slash Lavia injury away from being the square one as well?
1: <laughs> when does when does it ever end, brother? No, it doesn't when end. Does it ever end? It doesn't end. That's it. Would point.
0: be like typing out <laughs> the whole squad and just putting forward slashes between them all exactly. and exactly. saying we're back to square one. A couple Mads of things. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, we are going with that, and it's, it is a bit mad. Um, David Lennon wants to know how are the tomatoes, Trev.
1: Oh, they're fucking super. I actually just got a few there. There'll be a photo going up later on. on yeah. Um, yeah. Because the Trev. Do
0: you, you not release them at half 10, like, you know, my football club? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. just, just sitting there dance. and people are like, Trev, do you want to watch this on the telly? Shut up. I'm counting down to <laughs> half 10 here. I'm just ready to send sent. And um, Paul Giovanni quite cheekily asks, Gav, you need to tell some of the prank stories with Trev. The supermarket Kawa Andy was outrageously brilliant. Um,
1: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, supermarket call.
0: So, Trev, for Matt's benefit alone, would you like to tell him what happened when you went to the supermarket and Andy well, Young between, found out you were in the supermarket?
1: Between Andy Young, who I still have to forgive him for being very bold last night. He's very grumpy, Andy. At the very moment. bold he's very bold and he came on, he was very bold on Twitter last night. I hadn't a clue what was going on, but sure. He's, he's happy with himself. He was laughing away. and Andy and Phil decided that it was a great idea uh, to come up with a version of reality. Uh, Matt, I, I can only apologize for this. Sorry for, for uh, this kind of tale <laughs> there, but a version of reality where I needed in order was to it get Steve a day. Oh no, Steve-O was involved as well. Yeah. yeah was definitely involved. Involved. So, uh, so just uh, where were you when this happened? No, I haven't. I, I need to give you the background. The this, oh, the, yeah. the this The situation is that I need an EpiPen in order to get through the day. See, so this is what you need to understand, right? Yeah. Okay. You have you, you don't have allergies, I presume. It's, no, I don't need an EpiPen, Matt. But they were just, you know, it's just the lads doing lads things, and so I was. It was great, and I was. <laughs> I I let the lads know by stupid, stupidly let them know where I was, my exact location, which you can never do with either of these fuckers at any time, uh, that I was in Costa having a coffee. And that uh, then next thing I know, the waitress or server from Costa is coming down and asking me if I'm all right. (laughs) Do I need any help? <laughs> and then I told them just out of blue. Just out of Yeah, Stupidly I said I was going to, to Tesco to get away from them. Yeah. And they ranked Tesco and there was Tesco an was a supermarket match, just to let you know. Yeah. 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 An announcement put out over the Tesco supermarket asking me to come to their um uh, Security booth, yes. Yeah, so was it something
0: st- along the lines of you were allergic to strawberries or stro- strawberries? Or- was
1: the, the, yeah, strawberries was the apparent aller- allergy. So I they ring Tesco and they say, um, Our friend is they, in. They had run Costa and the girls in Costa, I could see them looking over at me. Yeah. And they were talking about would they come over? And I could see there was something awkward going on. You know, when someone's looking at you, you're aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the girls came up and said, Look, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but one of your friends is saying he might need some help and did you lose your happy pen or something? <laughs> and I, I told the lads, you yeah, know, fucking enough. I'm yeah. heading off. So I told them I was going to Tesco, like an yeah. idiot. They yeah. looked up the Tesco number and I'm walking around Tesco. Because the I
0: story I was told was was that you did go to Tesco and stupidly told them yeah. you're going to Tesco. They ring Tesco yes. and they say our brother or our friend is in the store at the moment. He's allergic yeah. to strawberries and he's not in the right frame of mind. So, this could end badly. <gasps> Can you please go and find him? So <laughs> no, si- no, 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 no,
1: So, so they, this is- <laughs> they've added to that gab over the years. <laughs> and I'm all for them <laughs> adding to it, by the way. Yeah, they've embellished that one. <laughs>
0: yeah. But um, no, like, the, yeah, so they're ringing Tesco and they're, they're putting things out over the Tannoy. To make sure Trev is okay in shops. Um, he <laughs> says we need to get Steve O back on with Trev and Phil for a pod Listen, uh, getting hold of Steve O and Phil are out on bikes at the moment, just cycling around for no Don't reason. Don't tell me Steve O' the cyclist, now. Oh, they're all cycling now. Like oh, and, and, and no. Phil, Phil started this like uh, like bike repair shop out was back and all. No. And what he's doing is he's offering to he's offering to fucking fix people's bikes so they can come out cycling with him. You know, he has oh. he has he Has Steve down to under an hour for 20k and everything, it's all madness. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's
2: also falling down the side of a mountain. You know?
0: Yes, yeah. Phil fell down the side of a mountain. Um, he's going down to Lock there. I think, to do some mad Phil's gone in mad into the Iron Man stuff where you know you run and swim and kayak and Phil's just off as bleeding rock, rocker, like, there's no other word for it. Um, but yeah, they have Steve involved, I think they have Ray Dicko involved now. Um and F- Phil was trying to put it across me last night, like, can we get day trippers like and we can sell it to cyclists, <laughs> and I was like, would you ever fuck off, and I mean, I've enough to be worried about without you fucking wanting to sell Lycra. Um, oh,
1: middle-aged lads in life. <clears> that's what everyone needs in the world, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, On books, it's the reunion pod, Gav, you know you want to, we done one of those, right, and honestly, we genuinely lost the foil, right, we genuinely did lose the foil, because I don't know what happened, Phil had it and he just it went completely mental. But I promise you, we were on for about two hours. And if you got eight minutes of audio out this where it was acceptable and was not liable and wouldn't have got us oh. arrested, that isn't oh, like, that's that's being very, very um optimistic.
1: To, is that the quiz gap? The um, quiz in Phil's house.
0: No, do you remember the one we done where we all met up online? And we we had the chat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were yeah, there two hours, and uh, Neely or Nilo turned up and everything. And Nelo was just calling everybody <laughs> every name under the sun, and um, it was ridiculous. So, uh, listen, I'll I'll ask them, But like Phil will probably want to be on his fucking what you call him, um, the the, the cycle the bikes in in his house. He probably be on the bike uh, while he's doing it. Uh, the Peloton bike. Oh, they're Peloton, all mad. Yeah. They're all mad. But anyway, um, that has been. The LFC day triple for tonight. That has been no transfer knowledge. That has been Trev Downey. That has been Matt. I have been Gav. Touching a bit over and out.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.